from the USA Today Network. Welcome to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Ross, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson. And welcome back to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Ryan Ross here with Chris Eisman and Steve Edelson, the season finale of season one of The Chop. And we are wrapping things up with a look at signing day as Rutgers brings in the class of 2022. A lot of excitement around some of the players coming into the program. We're going to get deep into who's joining the Scarlet Knights for next season. We'll break it all down from you. Bobby Darren from 24-7 Sports will join us in just a little bit. But guys, as we wrap up the season here with some some optimism heading into next year, that always comes along with signing day, Chris. Uh, a big day for the Scarlet Knights as they land a, a pretty decent class as we look ahead to next year. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. I mean, look, this was a, you know, it was a significant day for Rutgers and, and where they are in this rebuild. Um, you know, they brought in a lot of talent in this class and, and currently, uh, you know, 24-7 sports ranks this class uh, 27th in the country, um, seventh in the Big Ten. And that's one of the highest ranked classes that Rutgers has ever had. You know, the 20, we'll get into a little bit of this later with with uh, our guests, but, um, you know, uh, Rutgers in tw- 2012, that class ranked 23rd in the country. And that was when Greg Schiano left for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that class would have been even higher, probably had had Schiano stayed. So what they were able to do this time around this early in the rebuild is significant. Um, definitely a, a big day for Rutgers. They brought in a lot of talent. Um, you know, they brought in they signed 18 scholarship players plus um, uh, kicker and Jay Patel, who was a preferred walk on from South Brunswick. Um, so a lot of really, you know, skilled athletes, explosive, fast, physical players. Um, the biggest key, I think, is is seven offensive linemen. You know, that is an area that was depleted when Greg Schiano, his coaching staff, arrived. Uh, that needs to be re- rebuilt. It's difficult to do that, especially in the Big Ten. But the fact that they took this much of a step and and brought in seven offensive linemen, seven big offensive linemen, athletic offensive linemen, guys who are six six, six seven, that's what they needed the most. And they were able to really attack that position and bolster the depth. So that I think that was key. So, you know, overall, look, I mean, it, it's it's one step, you know, one recruiting class isn't going to change a program on its own, but it's momentum. And, you know, you have to now go in and start recruiting the next class to kind of t- try and add to it. But certainly, you know, for where this program is right now, for the amount of talent that they need to become the type of team, the Big Ten team that they want to be, yesterday was a considerable step in the right direction. You know, it's funny, I've been doing this a long time, and I've never heard an NFL GM the day after the draft say, boy, we really, we didn't do very good. You know, that was no good. <laughs> or or a, a college coach say, oh boy, we just, we didn't get the guys we wanted. A couple of GMs in York, you saying. <laughs> I mean, this is a time for optimism, obviously. You know, everyone, everyone is, has potential at this point, you know, and listen, until a guy gets here and puts on shoulder pads and you know gets busted in half by a Big Ten linebacker, we're not going to know exactly what what they can do and what they're capable of. But with that said, this has to be has to be a really good recruiting class for Rutgers if they are to move forward. There are so many holes to fill everywhere. You know, you know, we're going to harp throughout this show on offensive line because that is so important. But defensive line. You know, six sacks in nine games in the Big Ten, that's not enough. Uh, so there's so many holes to fill. This has to be, and hopefully the projections are right. And these guys all, you know, it's a good class that can really help because Rutgers really needs it. 
And, and you know, it's it's always something and, and kind of like what you were saying, Steve, that we don't really know. You don't know. And, and when you see it on paper, of course, it's something to be excited for if you're a Rutgers fan to see the rankings, to see where they are, to see some of the players coming in. There's plenty of five star players that fizzle out. There's plenty of two star players that end up becoming five star players. And now really the work begins not only for these players joining the program, making that transition from from high school to the Big Ten, which is a big jump no matter where you played high school. That is a huge jump. And now it's up to the coaches, too, to make sure they get up to speed. But, of course, Greg Schiano likes what he sees. Here's what he had to say about his class. I think it's a really uh, diverse, probably the most diverse class that I've ever been a part of at Rutgers. 20 players from nine states. You know, uniquely, you can see some of the Big Ten footprint in there outside of our traditional areas, but still big in New Jersey and in the surrounding area, Pennsylvania, New York. I thought it was really special that, you know, whether the rankings are accurate or not, who's to say, but to have three uh, top-rated players in three different states, that was part of what I mean when I said it was a, it's, a big, it's a big step. And that's always been kind of the, the thing with Rutgers, keeping players home. And I know that's been an emphasis of Greg Schiano. For anyone, all of us who have covered high school football in this state, we know there's a ton of talent here. We know there's a lot of good players that come out of New Jersey. So for Greg Schiano to be able to start to convince some of these guys to stay home, to play for the state university in front of their family and friends here instead of going elsewhere, uh, that's a big step for Rutgers. And it, it doesn't happen overnight, but his third class here in the in the second stint with Rutgers uh, has to show some promise towards that, Chris. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, currently in this class, they have three players who are ranked in the top 10 in the state of New Jersey, including number one overall in uh, Jacob Allen, the offensive lineman from the Hunt School. So that's a big deal. And, and they're, they're, in, they're in the running for another uh, in Davison Igbenosin, um, who uh, is still undecided. Um he was originally committed to Rutgers, but then reopened his commitment. Rutgers is still in the running there, along with uh, several other very, very high major, high um, you know major programs, including Ole Miss. So, I mean, there there's some definite competition there. He's very sought after, but they're still in the running. They're still kind of in that mix. So, we'll see what ends up happening there. But absolutely, and there's no question that Rutgers has made some progress in keeping New Jersey players home, and he, also in the surrounding areas too, as Greg Schiano kind of mentioned. I mean, they have the number one player from New York and Moses Walker, and a, a linebacker from Erasmus Hall in Brooklyn. So, that's significant, and they have to keep doing that and kind of building that momentum because that's going to be, you know, the kind of path forward for them in order to, you know, continue to, to have sustained success um, and, and just kind of, you know, continuing to, to keep those guys uh, from around New Jersey and from, you know, kind of the surrounding areas, uh, you know, keeping them home and, and at Rutgers. And Steve, from a fan perspective, to be able to see some of these names that you maybe recognize from their high school playing careers in the state of New Jersey, to have these guys staying home, that's got to be something that helps increase some some support, some enthusiasm for the Rutgers program. Well, I think that certainly can help, especially if the players can come in and make an impact. You know, and listen, I'm all for uh, local players coming in, but boy, some of them need to be real playmakers because that's what Rutgers needs more than anything right now. They need guys that can step in and make plays, big plays, change the game. They just don't have enough of them. And hopefully, you know, they're going to land some of these guys from the metropolitan area that can do that. And if they're from New Jersey, that would be great. And we got a more in-depth look at this class of 2022 a little bit earlier. We caught up with Bobby Darren from 24-7 Sports and ScarletNation.com. Let's listen in with our conversation with Bobby. 
we're now joined on the chop by Bobby Darren. Bobby is an editor, senior writer, recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports and ScarletNation.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Bobby Darren, D-E-R-E-N. Bobby, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Before we get to your thoughts on this Rutgers recruiting class, let's first listen in on what Greg Schiano had to say about this newest class. I really believe that this class is a big step forward for our program. First two classes I was very, very proud of. One we recruited in 11 days, and the next we recruited solely over Zoom and WebEx, never having, you know, never forget some of those kids walking in in January had never been on campus before. So this was really our first class where we could recruit it more traditionally you know, what a, what a great class it is. I think this is a big step for our program, as I said. I think it shows people see Rutgers football differently. Roots, high school coaches, people in, in, in the, our footprint where we recruit, they see, they see culture, they see a program that is on the rise, they see one that's significant. And to be able to recruit the way we did this class and, and to finish it up, right, because our season didn't finish exactly the way we would want it to. The resolve that our staff hit the road that following day and never looked up till, till this morning. I think that uh, what, a, what, a, what a big step. And now, now we find ourselves at a place where we all, that's great. You know, it's three classes under the roof now, but uh, we all need to do better. I need to do better as a head coach. Staff needs to do better. Our team does. And our fans do. We all do. If we're going to grow this thing to what everybody said they wanted two years ago, then we're all going to have to get better. But this is a really big step to be working to get better off. All right. So Greg Schiano, obviously a fan of the, the players he's bringing into the program and his staff is bringing into the program. Bobby, what are your thoughts on the class that Rutgers has assembled for this year? I think it's a really good class. I mean, and it addressed some needs, uh, particularly on the offensive line. You see seven offensive linemen. Since I've been covering this team in 2007, I've never seen that many in a class. Coincidentally, the most was the 2012 class, which Greg referenced yesterday as well. You know, similar ranking. It was on his way out, so he wasn't here to develop those guys. So it turned out a little differently than had he stayed. But, um, you know, they, they addressed the, the, the definite needs that they, they had, and that was a main concern. And you see now they're still going after offensive linemen in the transfer portal. So it really starts up front. You know, you can have the best skill players in the world, but if nobody's blocking for them, they can't do anything. Bobby, can you reference it? But this is obviously one of the highest ranked classes in program history. Uh, can you kind of put that into perspective, what that means for where Rutgers is at this point in the rebuild and, and kind of what it means going forward now that they're able to, to kind of assemble this type of class, one of the highest ranked classes in their history this early in the process? Well, I think it puts it in perspective where they can compete in the Big Ten. They're number six in the Big Ten. So, you know, you have your it's top heavy with Ohio State, Penn State. They're the elite. But, you know, you're right in the middle of the pack there. You, you, you're going to have the talent to measure up with these these other Big Ten teams. I mean, when Chris Ash was bringing in recruits, sometimes I'd be like, who? You know, and, and these guys were committing and they just, you know, no disrespect to them. But if you followed a lot of them afterwards when they transferred, they were playing at, you know, one double A schools and, and they weren't even starting. You know what I mean? So. The, 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 it, the recruiting talent or the recruiting has has raised considerably and the talent has just seen a, a quick spike under Greg Schiano. Now, he has a lot more money to pay staff of assistance, which he didn't have the first time around, uh, which Chris Ash didn't have. Um, so, you know, they, they were at a little disadvantage there. But 
it's going to allow them to really measure up with with those uh, players. And Chris, I think you saw it the other night. We were at the football banquet, and you know we're looking at the offensive lineman. And Hollis Pierce walks by, and he's six foot seven, and he looks big like man. an NFL guy. He's a big man, yeah. Right? Yep. And some of these other linemen that we saw walking by are like, you know, they don't look the same. They don't have that look, and and that's what they really wanted to get the look. I mean, not just offensive linemen, but defensive ends. You're talking six five guys that can move. You know what I mean? They're they're just getting the length and the athleticism that they need to compete. Because when you go down on the field and you look at these Ohio States and and, and the Michigans and even the Michigan States, you know, they're a lot bigger than Rutgers. Yep. You know, Bobby, when you look back at the success of classes, a lot of times it's those under the radar guys that kind of step up and give you that boost that maybe you didn't expect or they weren't as heralded as some of the guys. Are there guys who could be like, you know, a Gus Zelinskis type or Keontae Hamilton this year that, you know, maybe could have an impact fairly quickly and, and certainly over the course of their career have a nice impact? I think a guy uh, you should really pay attention to is Tommy Amanqua. And I asked Greg about him yesterday, and he said, you know, he could play on offense or defense. And this is a guy nobody really heard of, didn't have a lot of offers. He's vaulted up to number six in the in our rankings in the state, but didn't have the offer list to go alongside with that ranking. That was based on his senior year. A lot of classes filled up. You know, this is a kid that could come in and play receiver next year if they needed him. They originally recruited him as a safety. And if you look at his highlights this year, it's like a video game. You know, he had over 2,000 all-purpose yards, 27 touchdowns, five interceptions. I mean, a kid just did it all. Led Hillsborough to an undefeated season and state title. Um, that's a, a really under-the-radar guy. And then you look at some of the linemen. You know, uh, Greg talked about Dante Chin yesterday. You know, this is a guy they got last minute. I, I didn't know anything about him because he didn't play last year. He just started this year. I mean, you know, so they're taking chances on some of these linemen, too. Amir Stinnett from Philadelphia. He's a Holland Pierce type guy. You know, he's up around 400 pounds. They, they got Pierce down and, you know, reshaped his body and he's a starter. Not an easy thing to do. We've seen a lot of guys come in overweight and really never make that jump over the years. So I, I think, you know, their success in that regard with Pierce led them to really believe they could develop someone like Stanette. So you have a, Nelson Monegro is another offensive lineman. It's very raw from Union City, but he has a size. And so they, they think they can kind of mold some of these guys. Uh, it's going to take a little while with those linemen because, they, as you know, they're not playing right away. But, um, you know, th there could be a, a few gems in there. But Amanko really vaults to the top of my list because uh, he was just exceptional this year. And signing day, it always reminds me of like the day after the NFL draft or spring training in baseball for the fan excitement where you have all these new guys joining the team and you just can't wait to see them in action. You can't wait to see them on the field. A lot of times in college football, you might have to wait a couple of years for some of these recruits to really start contributing. But there are some freshmen that tend to step up. Are there anyone in this class, Bobby, that you, you see that could contribute right away as freshmen? Well, I think it's important to look at the positions of need and where they could step in and be available. You know, if you got a guy stepping in to a place where there's, you know, th uh, a bunch of five, five fifth year guys, four year guys who have multi year starting experience, they're not going to jump in. But so you have to kind of look at that, too. You know, the offensive lineman, uh, Kobe Asamoah, I think, has a chance to play in the interior. He's uh, enrolling in, in the January. So he and he's already a big human being as well. You know what I mean? You can't teach that kind of size. <laughs> 
But you look at Sam Brown at running back, you know, Isaiah Pacheco left, Kyle Manungai left the, the the season injured. You know, he's supposed to be healthy, but you never know with running backs. Um, he's a big kid who's very athletic. Um, he could come in and, and contribute, you know, rather quickly. Um, Moses Walker is a guy who I think you'll see play. The guy just plays ferociously. I mean, downhill, you know, uh, hard hitting. And Greg Schiano likes to use linebackers on special teams. And, and, and as you've seen in the past with a guy like Steve Baharnas going way back, you know, he kind of integrated him slowly over the course of the year. And then by the end of his freshman season, he was starting. So there are a couple guys I would keep an eye on. And, and you know, the linebacker has a lot of turnover. Anthony Johnson is another four star commit. Uh, he's another guy to keep an eye on. And Greg likes to use those guys early. So I think that position leaves a little leeway for um, for Rutgers to, you know, kind of kind of or for those guys to come in and kind of contribute early because there will be opportunity more so than at other positions. You got wide receiver. I know there's a need, but a guy like a Marion Brown, he's really thin. He needs to up his weight. You know what I mean? Some of these corners are just going to push him around. He has a lot of talent, but you know, it's going to take a little bit of physical development. Rashad Rochelle is another guy at wide receiver. He's got a lot of talent, but he played quarterback in high school. How quickly does he acclimate to the position? There is need there, but you know, it, it's one thing to, to you know, run a route and, and catch a ball on, on the field, but to, to go into Big Ten and play against these exceptional corners on some teams, it, it's going to be a, a tall task for that in, in that in that regard. Bobby, I wanted to ask you, too, about uh, Fran Brown. Obviously, he's been such an, uh, you know, an impactful recruiter for them over these last few seasons. Um, and there was some speculation that he would leave to take over at Temple. Obviously, you know, we know his coaching history there. But last night, Temple announced that they're hiring uh, Stan Drayton, Texas yeah. assistant. Um, to, to come in and, and take over the program. How significant is, is it that he's staying and, and what has made him such a good recruiter, especially, you know, bringing in those South Jersey kids into the program? You know, he has a good connection with the kids. He gets involved with them and he, and he puts a lot of time into it, too. I mean, you know, recruiting is all about time. And it's interesting when we were on the the, uh, the, the conference with Greg yesterday, he said, you know, he's seen all different recruiters. And all I could think of was Jeff Halfley when he comes in. Jeff Halfley and Fran Brown are totally different people. But both were exceptional recruiters because they they put the time in. They got to know the families. It's it's just a lot of work, to be honest with you. You know, when this class ends, you have to recruit a few more classes. It starts so early. So he's really been able to cultivate relationships. He's built those bonds in the area. People trust him. People can count on him. Um, you know, it, it's just that, that familiarity helps. And also, he just he just gets it. You know, he connects with the kids, and 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 some people have that, and and you have to have that that kind of charisma, and as well as the work ethic. And he kind of combines the both of them. It's a big, big get for it's not a get, but, you know, it's a big win for him staying at Rutgers because he's their ace recruiter. Hey, Bobby, transfer portal has become such a huge part of everything every team does in the offseason. I don't know if you can look forward. What, what do you see maybe happening there or might there be any additions to this class down the road? I think they'll throw in a few transfer guys. It, it's it's crazy, though. It comes in waves. Like now we're seeing the first wave of it. It'll quiet down, and then January will kick up another wave. Then the spring, after teams do spring practice, it'll kick up another one. But Rutgers is going to need to reach in there to get a wide receiver. I mean, you look at the, the lineup now without Bo Melton. You know, you don't have a number one, and you really didn't have a number two last year's. So, uh, you know, a bona fide number two that you could really count on. So I think they're really going to have to look there. Um, you've seen them already trying to get offensive linemen. They're trying to get another linebacker out of there. Um, I think it's going to continue. But the thing with the portal is, you know, when there's a good player, teams all teams have a need. So you see teams just throwing offers out. You know, Colby Reader thought we're going to commit to Rutgers, and he winds up at Iowa State. 
you know, not something you would have guessed right, right off the bat. So it's kind of like the Wild West with guys running there. You know, Rutgers is going after a, a offensive lineman from Louisiana Monroe. You know, you wouldn't think, wow, let's go get our next offensive lineman from Louisiana Monroe. That's not even the Cajuns, is it? I don't even know their name. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> The Cajuns is Louisiana. I don't even know what Louisiana Monroe is. You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> the offensive linemen are really valuable commodities because everybody needs them. Look at Jonah Jackson came from Rutgers and he was, you know, went to Ohio State and started there. So even Ohio State is looking in the portal. So that's what makes it tough because everybody's looking and there's just not a wealth of talent. Brendan Border went in there and, and got a ton of group of five offers. Then he picked up Kentucky and Arizona State, and this is a guy who wasn't starting at Rutgers last year. So you can see teams really need offensive linemen. It's not easy to find. So I think they're just they're going to continue to try it, and, and I do think they will grab some guys. But you look last year, they got David Nugugu. Ugugu, I'm, I'm not good with his name. I apologize. Um, but he didn't do anything. You know, I played sparingly, was injured, didn't start. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot, but I'd expect him to probably pull in three to five guys from the portal when all is said and done. Well, signing day, always a day of renewed optimism for fans, uh, especially around the Scarlet Knights. Bobby Darren from 24-7 Sports and ScarletNation.com. Thanks for, uh, for being here, and thanks for breaking it all down for us. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Again, thanks to Bobby Darren, 24-7 Sports, ScarletNation.com. Follow him at Bobby Darren, D-E-R-E-N, on uh, Twitter. Thanks again to him for joining the show. So this is usually where we do our predictions. Obviously, no games to predict at the moment. But we do have a recruiting class that we can maybe kind of project a little bit, Chris. So I'm wondering, any names that stick out to you? Any guys that you think could really make an impact? Maybe not next year, but in the next four years and potentially become some household names around New Jersey. First of all, I was ready to predict the entire 2020 schedule. I don't know what you're talking about, Ryan. I have it all ready to go. But we'll say that for August. Yeah. All right, fine. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, listen, there, there. I, I think I'm going to kind of echo what you know Bobby said um, in our interview with him. You know, two names that he mentioned. I'm really interested to see what Sam Brown can do. You know, a running back is an area of strength for Rutgers, and and definitely as Bobby said, with Isaiah Pacheco leaving, you know, there's some opportunity there. Kyle Manungai really. Uh, you know, he 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 impressed last season, no question about it. But as Bobby said, he was hurt. Um, they have some other young players in there, a guy like Alistair D. Salam. Um, you know, obviously Aaron Young is coming back. But I think that Sam Brown, his talent, you know, he's a really athletic player. He's a fast player, he's a physical runner. I, I'm interested to see what he can do. And then certainly, you know, Moses Walker, too. Um, you know, Rutgers has some lost some players at, at linebacker, including Ola Kunle Fadakasi and Tyshawn Fogg. You know, you bring in a guy like uh, Moses Walker. I mean, he, he's a guy who could make an impact. And Anthony Johnson, too, uh, from Newman Goretti down in Philadelphia. He's another one that I'm interested to see if he can make an impact early. So those are the guy, kind of guys that I'm looking at. Uh, Kenny Fletcher, a defensive end from Delran, really impressive player. Um, and, and Rutgers does have some holes to fill in the defensive line and, and kind of some depth there that they need to make up. So I, I think that there's those are the kind of guys that I'm looking to see. The offensive line, we've referenced it, you know, at times during the show, it's difficult for them to step in right away as freshmen and compete in the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, I, I think that the guys that I mentioned are kind of the ones that I'm looking to see if they can make an impact as freshmen. Time will tell. It's always difficult to say who's going to be ready to go right away. Uh, that's what spring practices is for, for the guys who are rolling early um, and obviously then training camp. But we'll see. But those are the guys that I'm kind of targeting as, you know, maybe who could step up and help at some point in 2022. Steve, how about you? Who are some uh, some names that stand out to you? Well, I got to say, one guy I saw recently was 
DePaul's Kair Price, the defensive lineman. Um, I saw him against Red Bank Catholic, which has a huge offensive line, and this kid was all they could handle. I mean, he was all over the field. So, you know, it, him, uh, you know, Chris mes- mentioned Kenny Fletcher from Delran. If those guys could help come in and bolster the pass rush pretty quickly, that would be a huge thing. Uh, like I said, they are both uh, both really top top players, and uh, and they're from New Jersey. So again, I, th- I think those are two guys I'm really looking at because to me, as as tough as the offensive line is going to be to rebuild, I think defensive line you could maybe make an upgrade a little bit quicker and really start getting after the quarterback. And these guys might help in that area. It's, as I said before, it's it's a time for optimism, not only for for Scarlet Knights fans, but for for college football fans around the country as their program brings in all the stars of tomorrow. Just like you know, after the NFL draft, where everyone's going to the Hall of Fame when your team picks them, of course, everyone here is going to win a Heisman Trophy. So it's a time for optimism for fans around the country, and especially right here in New Jersey, as Rutgers brings in the class of 2022. That's going to do it for season one of the Chop. We'd like to thank you for listening along all season long with us thank you to all of our guests who joined us throughout the year uh chris and steve they're still plenty busy of course reporting on Rutgers and sports around new jersey be sure to follow them at northjersey.com and app.com and time for some cross promotion because if you like what you hear for this football podcast we have a basketball podcast too we talk Rutgers basketball jerry carino joins us for the show as well to uh, talk seton hall We focus in on some mid-majors. Mammoth off to a great start this season. Princeton could make some noise in the Ivy League. It's called Jersey Jump Shot. We're now starting season three of that show, so be sure to find that. If you're into basketball, college basketball in the state of New Jersey, Jersey Jump Shot, find it on your favorite podcasting platform because we'll be there to take you through the winter and then... Poof, before you know it, we're back talking football in the spring and summer. So we cannot wait for that. Thanks to Chris and Steve all season long. And thank you again for listening to The Chop. I'm Ryan, and we'll talk to you next season.